recording on my Zoom. You press voice memo. Perfect. And now I want you to clap. And I'm going to clap. And we're going to go to it. Hi, I'm Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love. And I'm so excited that my guest, Amy Newmark, who's editor-in-chief and publisher of Chicken Soup for the Soul, can help you broadcast your message. I'm so excited to talk to her and here's some insider tips. And before I introduce her, I want to give my listeners a gift. I know you're all having a hard time right now. This is recorded during the COVID-19 quarantine and amidst the protests. And many of you might be wondering, what is the purpose of your life right now as you're locked inside and fearful? Well, I want to tell you there is something you can depend on, and that is finding your essential life message and knowing it. I believe we all have essential life message. And that's why I created the site, themessageofyou.com. I've created these self-guided lessons to help you find your message and turn it into a TED Talk or a book or a even a paid speaking career. Now, I have been charging $1,000 for a membership, but I want you to know as a special gift to my listeners, I'm offering it totally free. There are no gimmicks, there are no sales, there's nothing because the world needs to hear your message now uh, more than ever. And so let's have all of us become a ripple effect of inspiration in the world. And I believe that my guest can help you do that because she is such a force of inspiration. As I said, she's the best-selling author, editor-in-chief, and publisher of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And I mean, you must have heard of it, otherwise you're living on a different planet. But she's had an amazing career. She graduated with honors from Harvard University, where she majored in Portuguese. And she's had um, a career that would make even the most successful of us feel like a slacker. She's had a three-decade career as a Wall Street analyst, a hedge fund manager, and a corporate executive in the technology field. And here she is. It's Amy Newmark. Hey, Amy. So great to meet you and have you on the Power of Purpose podcast. Well, thanks for having me. And, you know, I just listened to your May 1st episode where you talked about laughter being the best medicine and is it okay to laugh during the pandemic, et cetera. 
And I thought, wow, that is just a perfect topic for us to continue talking about today. Yes, wasn't the very last book, you were telling me that the last book that the Chicken Soup for the Soul um, publishers published was Laughter is the Best Medicine. And you were like, oh, I'm not sure. Do people still want to laugh now, right? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, you know, we, we had to send it to the printer back when the pandemic was just in China and we weren't really sure what was gonna happen here, although we felt it was coming. And I thought, oh my gosh, are people going to think I'm being flippant? And am I being tone deaf? Putting out a book called Laughter is the Best Medicine in April when everybody's gonna be at home and everybody's terrified and people are dying. And we put it out and everybody accepted it for what it was and We're getting all kinds of fan mail. It was the number one new self-help book for the first six weeks in a row that it was out. It's been a huge success, and I'm really glad now that we did it and that I didn't stop it from getting published, even though I really thought hard about doing that. Well, there's something extremely transformational about turning a problem into a punchline and giving people the gift of laughter because it's a great title because laughter is the best medicine. Certainly this time with COVID, there is no medicine, none whatsoever. So... That is amazing. I want to talk to you about how did you, with this kind of strange background with, you know, wanting to speak Portuguese and then going into the financial district, you ended up uh, being the editor-in-chief of something that really spreads stories and, and, and messages, I guess, through, your, through the stories of the authors that are in your book. So how did that happen? You know, it all makes sense in a really strange way. So, I mean, if you go back to my childhood, I used to think it was fun to sit down and try to write stories, you know, where other kids would have been, you know, just distraught over the idea of having to write something. I actually thought it was fun. And then when I was in college, I majored in Portuguese. And it was really because when I was applying to college, it was the 1970s and my father said, Brazil is this economic miracle. And I had already taken French, German, and Latin in high school. I really liked languages. So he said, you know, you'll look good to the admissions officers if you talk about Portuguese in Brazil. So I did that in my interviews. And then I got into Harvard and I got there and I thought, I will take Portuguese, why not? So I took it and then it was an opportunity to be the only person at the university majoring in Portuguese and have two professors to myself. So it took this big impersonal place and made it very, very personal. So I majored in Portuguese then because there weren't enough Portuguese courses at at the college, I went off to Brazil for a semester And guess what I did in Brazil? I collected stories from the people. And that was what my thesis was about. It was about a popular form of storytelling in a very poor area of Brazil. Then I went to Wall Street, did all of that. And who knew that 30 years after I had been collecting stories from regular people in Brazil that I would be doing the exact same thing, collecting stories from people to create Chicken Soup for the Soul books. It was just a complete circle back to where I had been 30 years earlier. 
But, you know, my whole Wall Street career, my whole business career was about telling stories anyway, because when I was a Wall Street analyst, I was writing reports about companies. This is a great company. You should buy their stock. This will be good for you. Or this company is lying about their numbers. You should sell their stock. They are bad for you. But it was really all about trying to help people and using the power of storytelling, even though originally it was about Wall Street and finances and stocks. And now, of course, it's about a lot of really wonderful things like human emotions. Wow. That's, I, I wonder if you believe that our purpose in life is, because it, it's, it sort of sounds like your life and career just unfolded. <laughs> you know, first of all, taking your father's advice, going to Brazil, all of a sudden Portuguese, and then going to collect stories from people in Brazil, and then sort of morphing it into this absolutely successful career of story collection. So do you think that our purpose in life, that we're all guided from this subconscious desire and it comes to us? Or did you go like, oh, this is my purpose. Like, this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm going for. Like, how did this no, happen was, that you ended up? It was a total surprise, total surprise. So I had not had a resume in probably 10 or 15 years. And then we bought Chicken Soup for the Soul from its founders, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, in 2008, which was one of the dumbest moves ever made in American business history because we did one of the only LBOs in America in 2008. And we managed to buy a publishing company just as the worst recession since the Great Depression occurred. Bookstores were going out of business. Borders shut down, right? They went bankrupt. It was the worst thing you ever could have done in business. And that's what we did. So kudos to us. But anyway, I had to sit down and write a resume when we bought the company because I needed, you know, an author bio, et cetera. And I sat down to write this resume, having not had one for so long. And I said, oh, my God, I'm collecting stories. And I did that 30 years ago. I mean, it really hadn't occurred to me until that moment that I had circled back to what I had done as a college student. But it's actually, it's it's actually really fun collecting stories from people because everyone loves personal revealing stories about the most important parts of people's lives and you know their milestones. I get to read those all day long. I get to read tens of thousands of those stories and. I get to meet people from all over the world who I wouldn't get to meet otherwise, and I'm, I'm getting their most intimate details of their lives. It's a very cool way to improve yourself. It's like reading you know, tens of thousands of case studies, like a psychologist would read case studies as part of learning the trade. I feel like I'm doing the same thing in this position. Wow. So let's get to you reading stories, because I know a lot of the listeners here um, have all thought about writing their memoir. I mean, everybody I talk to and I talk about what, what I do for a living, they all go, oh, I got some great stories. And I'm sure a lot of those stories you read are not so great. So what makes a story good, good enough to get into a chicken soup for the soul anthology? Well, we're kind of journalistic in what we're looking for. So 
we don't want somebody to spend a whole paragraph talking about a leaf fluttering on a tree. Like if you've just taken <laughs> creative writing, you know, if you just took that like night class in creative writing, please do not practice on us. I mean, sometimes I get a story and the person says something like, I put on my brown leather vest and walked down my sun-dappled front steps to my blue Nissan, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, oh my God, somebody told you to say the colors of everything. <laughs> the color. I don't want to know a that. Small, you know? small scratch right under the window that was 1.7 right. centimeters long. <laughs> I don't want to picture it, please. I just want to know what happened. Why did it matter to you? How did it feel? And what can I learn from it? And so it's funny. I, originally, I was hiring a bunch of uh, women who had journalism degrees because that was really the kind of writing skill I was looking for. But what we want from people is stories that make us feel something. They could make us laugh or they could make us get a little teary-eyed. They could make us think, oh my gosh, I have to share this story with my sister or my friend. Or, oh, I remember when that happened to me. Or, oh, I don't feel so alone. Someone else went through the exact same thing. So whatever it is, you should feel something. And we have guidelines on our website. So if you go to our website, chickensoup.com, and you click on Submit Your Story, which you can find buried at the bottom of the homepage, there you'll find our story guidelines with our writing tips and then you'll find a list of the topics we're working on with you know big descriptions of what we're looking at we give you lots and lots of ideas and then we have this form that you fill out to submit your story and there's this teeny little box and you're thinking how am i going to paste a 1000 word you know document into this little space but it's kind of like mary poppins bag and it will work so paste your, your Word document into that little space and we will get it. And we operate like no more than a year before you'll probably hear from us. Uh, although we don't send out rejections, uh, we only send out acceptances because sometimes if we don't use your story in one book, we might use it in another book down the road and surprise you. But a lot of people have actually launched their writing careers with us. And we also have New York Times bestselling novelists who will submit a story to us just because they have this little 1200 word story they want to tell and they have no place to put it in their own big novels. Now, you know, it's most memoirs or people who self-publish their own book, it's noted that it only sells maybe a hundred people um, unless you're um, Mormon and you have a huge family and maybe it'll be 125 people. Um, so, so, and then it's even uh, guaranteed that grandma's not going to read your book anyway, but she'll buy a copy. So how, how does it benefit maybe a, somebody who does want to go on, write something to be in your book, to be in a chicken soup for the soul book? So it's really interesting how much agents and publishers care if you have Chicken Soup for the Soul on your writer's resume. So if you don't really have much else, putting a Chicken Soup for the Soul story on your resume really matters. And we have had numerous people tell us, I got an agent because I had been published by Chicken Soup for the Soul. Because everybody knows how hard it is to get into one of our books. I mean, we have thousands of stories submitted for each book and we only publish 101. And so 
there, there's, a, there's an author who's very successful, Andrew Kaufman, who lives up in the San Francisco area. He used to be a, um, a news producer, and then he wrote a story for us that we published, and it launched his writing career, and he quit being a news producer, and now he's a very successful uh, suspense novelist who's had numerous books published. And we hear this over and over again from people that they started out with us and it led to great things. It's kind of like, you know, actors, if they're in New York, they can't really move to LA till they've done an order, till they've done an episode of Law and Order. You know, like there's just <laughs> right. certain things that really help to have on your resume. Yes. So it really does help. And even the best writer could use a little bit of editing. So we, we will do editing, even if it comes in fabulous, we might do a little editing. If we get a story that isn't that well written, but has a fabulous plot, we'll really work with it and we'll make it good and we'll publish that too. Then the only problem is when we do that and then the person says, I'm quitting my day job. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you didn't notice that I changed like 500 words of your 700 word story, you know? <laughs> that happens occasionally too. And then I feel really bad, but what am I gonna do? Gotta follow your dream, right? <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna do? Keep your day job, you're a physician, we need you. Oh my gosh. So, you know, you said something about making a story memorable, and I am always have been perplexed um, from when I hear someone tell a story and it starts with, okay, well, you know, when I was seven and blah, 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 and I look at them and they're, you're 65, I'm going to be here a long, long time, you oh know? My God. It's like, yes. And these stories are like, um, just, and especially where I live, Amy, in Los Angeles, this is land of profound narcissism where everything about a person is so fascinating. And it really, there are stories, I, I guess the question I want to ask you is, what is the difference between an act of narcissism and a story that inspires? So we do get stories submitted by narcissists, and they're usually pretty boring, and they're all about that person and Often I feel like I'm reading a New Yorker story because nothing really happens, you know? So they're just going on in their misery and describing it, but there's no real resolution. They're just enjoying their misery. A New Yorker story. (laughs) So only that could... (laughs) Okay, okay. So I don't want stories where you're just miserable throughout and we end with misery. I don't mind if you're miserable, but then you find resolution. And I really like some self-awareness that you are not the only person in the world who ever got a divorce or whoever got cancer, whoever lost your mother, whoever lost your dog, that I want a recognition that millions of other people have gone through the same thing. So we pretty much don't publish narcissistic stories and they're pretty easy to recognize. So those are gone. And we publish stories from people who are remarkable in their resilience and their lack of narcissism. And sometimes we'll read a story from someone who we've published before and we'll all say to each other, oh my God, did you know that such and such happened to her? Like, did you know that she lost three of her limbs to flesh eating disease? 
She didn't even mention that in her three previous stories that we published. Boy, this woman is plucky and has a great view of life. You know, so we're very impressed by these people and their lack of narcissism. Our, our readers want to read a story where they're presented possibly with a problem that you were having, but then you show them the solution that you came up with because then they can use that as a role model and help themselves. And I know it works because for me, having read all of these stories over the last 12 years that I've been doing this, I find myself filled with so much more knowledge about what makes people happy and what I can use myself to solve my own problems. It's, it's, it's really remarkable how effective these stories are. And I am not one of these touchy-feely people. I'm probably overly practical and pragmatic. And yet these stories have really worked for me. Wow. So, you know, I, I totally get what you're, you're talking about because when I was teaching stand-up and people would come in and go, I've had a wonderful life. Nothing bad has ever happened to me. No, I, I maybe my only problem is, is I can't seem to gain any weight. Um, you know, everything I eat goes right to my breast. I just, you know, and, and these people are not funny. And it's the same thing with a story that you can't be like, everything is great. And at the end of the story, it's just still all great. So you really have to reveal uh, something is wrong. A, you're talking about either a, a mess to success story, right? Is that there is some kind of problem, but it doesn't have to be um, a survivor story. Like you don't have to have be an amputee, have cancer, um, survived horrible death, right? I mean, you don't... Oh, it could be something simple. It could be, my sister-in-law gave me a present for Christmas. I have no idea what this thing is. I had to try to come up with an answer. I ended up putting it down the center of my dining room table and then she came the next year and said, why did you put the scarf I gave you down the center of the dining room table? <laughs> Whoops. You know, like it could be something really simple. People sometimes write about something that is so simple, but is so, is such a universal issue for us. Mm -hmm. And so, and sometimes our stories are just so funny, just so funny that we're laughing out loud as we're reading them because Sharing laughter is such an important part of being a human being as well, which is why we just put out this, that laughter is the best medicine book. So we're just trying to entertain people or educate them, you know, whatever helps them get through their day, smile, feel better, have better tools for dealing with the next thing that comes along. But it can it can be something really simple because you know those simple little problems those daily problems those are actually super important as well right oh. those are extremely oh, important yeah. problems oh yeah i've just lost my um apple earbuds for the second time now that's a that's a world class problem um i lost like four pairs of them <laughs> and was searching my house this was like a month ago cuz i'm at home right, right? I'm thinking, oh my God, what did I leave at the office since I haven't been to the office, you know, for three months now. And then I um, just searched my whole home and now I've, they're all piled up in one place and I feel like an idiot because I have so many oh, of them. Oh, send one to me. I've lost my <laughs> second pair. I haven't, haven't a glue. But I, 
I think they're starting to electric electrocute me though. Like I have this new iPhone 11 that you could throw in the toilet and will still yeah. work, so that will avoid a chicken soup story, you know. Um, because I have thrown them in the toilet before by accident. This one will still work, but it's electrocuting me. I put the little earbuds in, and then I feel like this. Like a oh yeah! After they've been in the toilet, sh- electric shock. Yeah, do, do, but no, but I have an electric shock in my ears now from the earbud, and I'm thinking I'm going to die in the middle of a podcast interview, <laughs> and everybody's going to hear it happen. <laughs> well, you know, I can hear um, my listeners um, want to know something. <laughs> They're going to go, okay. Oh, you already did? Laughter is the best medicine? But I'm really, really funny. I have so many great stories. Are you going to be doing another laughter is the best? Um. (laughs) We might. Considering how this one has been such a huge hit, we might do another one. But we always are looking for funny stories for whatever topic we're writing about. So we're collecting stories right now for uh, Christmas, unless we finished. We might have already finished collecting those, I'm not sure. But I know for sure we're collecting stories uh, for a book that's coming out next year called Making Me Time, which I think is a great topic. We all need to focus on carving out at least an hour a day of me time for ourselves every single day. And we're also collecting stories for um, a book about let me find you the other one that we're collecting right now. Uh, let's see. Oh, we're collecting stories for a book about cats. Um, we are going to collect stories about living through the pandemic, the economic disaster, the protests, everything else going on. But we haven't posted that book yet, but it's going to be called, I think it's going to be called Coming Back Strong. We're also collecting stories for a book about miracles and divine intervention and amazing coincidences and when, you know, those amazingly good things happen when you're not expecting it and they just change everything for you. So we're collecting for that as well. Um, I forget what else, but on our chickensoup.com website, you know, we're constantly posting new topics, but we love funny stories. Oh my gosh, we love them and they basically get preference. So if if uh, to go into our let book. me just say like even if you have a serious topic, if you can make Amy laugh through the first oh minute gosh, of you're her in. read, you you are in. Um, and I know everybody listening to do this. I you know thank you so much for giving us the upcoming information of uh, the what you might be looking for. I don't understand one thing though, Amy. Just don't get it. Chicken soup for the soul, and it's for Christmas. No Hanukkah edition. <laughs> Amy, really? So come our, on. <laughs> our Christmas book, our Christmas book, always goes from Thanksgiving to Hanukkah, Christmas, Boxing Day, New Year's resolutions. It covers the whole winter period, uh, and so we always have a lot of Hanukkah stories in it. But the way the bookstores work is they want Christmas in the title, but we always have Hanukkah stories as well. And um, I'm Jewish and half our editing team is Jewish. So, <laughs> you know, we, we're just anything having to do with holidays. We're it. We're, t- we're totally it. I know the, the stores are not, you know, Hanukkah centric. Try it Rite Aid. 
<laughs> Even at Passover, there's thousands of aisles of, of Easter bunnies. <laughs> and try finding a shank bone from Passover. It's impossible. It's hysterical. Well, you know, if you live in New York or L.A., you think half the world is right. Jewish. But it's really only something like 3% of the whole United States. I mean, there, yeah, there aren't that many Jews. There really aren't. Really, but we're fighting. I grew. I, we I grew up in a, a, where um, in a neighborhood that was had more Jews in it percentage wise than Israel. So I was maybe twenty one when I met my first Gentile, and I had I had totally not a realistic view of the world. But at least where I lived, it was funny. You know, it was funny. Um, well, thank you so much for for um, being a guest on my show. And I know you're going to get a lot of submissions from these people if, if they were smart. And do you have any closing things about finding people who are going like, well, what, what aspect of my life should I focus on? Or do you believe that we could just like pick anything that comes to your mind, work on it, and think see where it goes? Story. Well, think about that time when you had that epiphany, ah. you know, whatever it was, like you were, you were talking to your husband and you said, I, I gotta, I gotta call this person. I now like pretend we're in normal times. I gotta go have lunch with so-and-so. And then your husband says, but I didn't think you liked her. And you say, well, yeah, but I have to, cause she's my friend. And then your husband says, well, why is she your friend? And you're like, oh my God, I don't have to be her friend. That's an epiphany, right? That's when you realize, oh my gosh, I get to choose my friends. I get to decide who I'm going to add into my life, who adds value to my life. Or it could be something really serious, like your, your parent dies and then you have a dream and you talk to your parent in your dream and you work everything out and you realize, oh, now I understand why my father was grumpy. He was secretly worried about money. He wasn't really trying to deny me those things. And you work the whole thing out in your dream. You write that story for us. We learn from that. So epiphanies are really good moments that really made you feel. Um, and of course, moments that made you laugh. Because as I said, we welcome that. So I'm, I'm really glad that you have so many comedians as you know among your listeners because we would love to add them to the Chicken Soup for the Soul family. Oh, you heard that here, everybody. We'd love to have you in our Chicken Soup for the Soul family. The world needs laughter now more than ever, and especially those of you who could take a moment, or rather maybe a serious moment in your life, where you actually have that eureka moment and you learn something and you can make it funny, you know, that is a talent. I assumed Chicken Soup for the Soul was a Christian. No, no, it it's was not Christian. at all. So I went, well, oh, you're Jewish, and oh yeah, we're inclusive of. That. No, I'm. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure I've alienated a whole bunch of evangelicals by now because of having our transgender teens and our gay couples, and. Oh, we pile on the immigrants too. We have as many stories as we can from immigrants showing the fabulous value they add to our society. So in my own way, I'm trying to get a more progressive message out there 
so that all of our readers can be exposed to new ideas. And I think it's really, it's good. I mean, that's what we're all about is being inclusive. Um, I do not allow the phrase Christian values in our books because I think that's a terrible thing to say because you're implying that other religions don't have values. So that phrase is banned from our books. Um, yeah, I'm really careful to keep our books as secular as possible. And yes, we do a lot of books about miracles and angels, and sometimes there is some religion that creeps in there, but it could just as easily be Buddhism as it is Christianity. I've read been a Christian series, even way before we bought the company, there was a chicken soup for the Jewish soul that came out. Yeah, that, was, I remember that. that was a big book for the company and for the, and so, no, we've never been a Christian publisher. People have branded us with that. It's not true. Um, no, I mean, okay. we're, in, we're in Connecticut and we used to be in <laughs> Southern California. Like we're good to know. Yeah. Yeah. We're not at all that. Yeah. We're constantly defending ourselves against that when people are like, how could you have gay people in your books when you're a Christian publishing company? I say, we're not a Christian publishing company. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you again, Amy. All right. Thank you. It's Thanks really for having terrific. me on. For your special gift, go to themessageofyou.com. That's themessageofyou.com and get your free one-year subscription to the Message of You University, which is full of lessons to help you find your message and turn it into a book, a TED Talk, or a paid speaking career. That's themessageofyou.com.